Welcome to Unleashed at Work and Home, the show dedicated to helping veterinarians, vet techs, dog trainers, shelter and rescue workers, pet sitters, and all the other animal-crazy pet professionals manage their stress and find more joy. I'm your host, Colleen Pilar, and I'm thrilled you're here with us today. Make sure you hit the subscribe button on your favorite app so that you won't miss a single episode. This episode is brought to you by our free community, the Circle of Resilient and Thriving Pet Professionals. If you like the ideas shared here, then you're invited to continue the conversation with other lifelong learners in the community. You can find out more at colleenpilar.com slash community. It's the perfect place for you to learn cool stuff, feel good, and take action to create the life you love. Come join us. My guest today is Jessica Dolce. She's a compassion fatigue educator, as I am, and we share a lot of passions, but we had never met before. So we have just connected for the first time, and I'm very excited to dive into a conversation with her today. Our theme word is courage. So welcome, Jessica. Thanks for joining me on Unleashed at Work and Home. Well, thank you for having me. It's nice to finally meet you. <laughs> it's great to be here. So happy to have you. So courage, I think it's an interesting word because people so often think that it means the absence of fear. Have you found that? No, I'm afraid all the time. So uh, <laughs> I still think I have courage, uh, but I'm generally a pretty fearful human. So yeah, I think um, it's not at all the absence of courage or the absence of fear. It definitely can be both at the same time. Yeah, I think that's a, a powerful reframe for people often with the idea of, you know, you, you don't have to not feel fear, you have to make decisions and move forward with them. So what do you think helps in developing courage? Sometimes courage is context dependent, uh, but absolutely, general, <laughs> uh, I think that it is helpful to have someone in your corner that is maybe either doing the same similar courageous thing or is um, someone that you can fall back on as a support when you're feeling maybe afraid and a little shaky and vulnerable uh, mm -hmm. after doing something that is really risky and courageous. So probably more than anything, it's developing a support system of even one person that's willing to validate your um, decision to go out on some sort of limb and do something that is different uh, and scary. It makes a big difference to have someone who has your back. So. It makes a huge difference to have someone who has your back. Yeah. So you are that person for a lot of people. <laughs> your business is supporting people. Um, tell me what drew you to that work. Um. I have always worked with animals, so I started my own dog walking business almost 20 years ago now, uh, and eventually uh, went from volunteering in animal shelters to working full-time in shelters, and uh, during my time working in a local shelter and running a uh, pit bull advocacy group on the side with all of my free time, uh, I really started to change. And I didn't understand what was happening to me at the time, why um, I was thinking differently and acting differently and struggling so much. Um, I just assumed really that something was wrong with me. And yeah. so I eventually had to make really difficult decisions. Talking about courage, it was 
quitting was maybe one of the most courageous things I have done. Uh, in particular, quitting the group I had helped to co-found and build it was an excruciatingly painful choice uh, that I was very afraid of. And I did it because I wasn't well and I knew I needed to drastically change how I was living my life. But because it was so painful to make these decisions to, to get out of animal welfare in the way that I had been working in it, um, I really felt like I needed to understand what happened and where I had gone wrong. Um, and that is when I really finally stumbled on compassion fatigue information. And I think it's helpful maybe for people to know both of my parents are therapists and I have been in therapy in my life. And compassion fatigue was just never brought up. And so I'm raised in a very kind of mental health positive environment and very knowledgeable about this. And still, this was language that was never used. Um, and so as I got better uh, and as I understood more and more what had occurred in my life, I just realized that everyone around me was experiencing the same thing. Yeah. Uh, and there was no support that was specific there was very little support that was specific to people who worked with animals. Mm -hmm. and I knew from myself and my friends that we don't listen to people who don't have experience <laughs> with animals, you know? So I realized um, really that I just wanted to make sure that I got these resources back into my own community. So it really just started as a side project uh, while I was working for um, an animal welfare organization. Uh, and it just grew. It grew and grew. And so, um, you know, I, I became a certified compassion fatigue educator. I went back and got my master's in adult education and really started building out um, education programs because just having this information and some tools, I'm sure we'll talk about it today, can make a massive difference in your experience of doing this work. Um, and so that's how I came to the work and I've been doing it almost full time since 2014. So um, it's, I, I started to realize, and maybe this was your experience as well, that I could probably help more animals at this point with mm -hmm. my particular skill set, helping the people who yeah. work with animals. Um, there are a lot of people who are better at working with animals than I am, uh, and this is where I could really contribute the most. So it sometimes is painful. I think it takes a little courage sometimes to not work with the animals. I, yes. I almost on a daily <laughs> basis think to myself, oh, I should be at the shelter cleaning kennels if I really wanted to help. And uh, it takes a little bit of self-talk to remind myself um, that this is really where um, I think I can make the biggest impact. So it's really an honor to be in everybody's corner helping them yeah. Have their courage up uh, every day. So, yeah. Yeah. So a question that's been going through my mind um, as uh, today is, I don't know, March 19th, March something, March 19th. Okay. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, and we are now doing the coronavirus and my clients, as I'm sure yours are, have already kind of hit sort of spots of depletion and feeling like they're just running on empty and have been for a long time. And now this. <laughs> so this is one additional challenge on top of already challenging situations for so many of the people that we care about. What are your best tips for people right now in, in helping us to feel stronger, more courageous, and more able to face this? There was a, a conversation I had with one of my groups last night about this being another growth opportunity. Yes. Uh, it's, it's, 
CEO. Uh, and it's really, it is, it's everybody that we work with is constantly challenged to grow, to be more creative, yeah. to increase their capacity. And then to have this on top of everything is really, um, it's a lot. And I do not know anybody who is not struggling with this. And that includes people who are mental health professionals yeah. and wellness coaches, people who have tools, a lot mm -hmm. of tools are struggling. And so I feel like the first and most important thing to say is anything that you are feeling is okay right now. Mm -hmm. It's absolutely, you are not expected to be able to know how to handle this with grace right now. <laughs> if you are stressed out, that is not an indictment of your resiliency or who you are as a person or anything. This is an extraordinary experience for all of us normal humans uh, who are just trying to figure this out as we go. And so in terms of tips, I mean, just to be gentle with yourself and to not judge yourself for whatever you are experiencing right now, um, to not feel obligated to make this a uh, time where you ha have to do anything big. So if you are suddenly uh, working less, like if you're a dog trainer or if there's something where your clients uh, have been canceling or you had to cancel and or you're working in a shelter and they close the doors and so you're, you're home, um, you don't have to write the great American novel right now. <laughs> like you can just relax uh, and take care of yourself and your family. So there's kind of a narrative right now of like, what an exciting time to live out your dream and to have this project that, you know, if that works for you, great. If you just want to sit at home and stare at the sky for a few hours a day, that is okay too. So a lot less judgment, a lot of gentleness. Uh, and then, you know, I think in terms of what we can more actively do, uh, and I'm giving a webinar on this tonight, uh, is how is finding a sense of safety within our bodies. Uh, mm -hmm. And so really our nervous systems are just jacked right now and there's no stability, there's no certainty in the world. And so we are almost collectively globally, this is unprecedented, I think, that we are globally in a fight or flight response. Yeah. Um, and so if we can do anything to self-regulate, that would probably be the most important thing because that is like the basics of working with trauma, exposure, and stress is to find a sense of safety and stability really starting within yourself. Um, and so that will look different for everybody, but anything from um, doing grounding exercises, uh, you know, doing um, orienting yourself to the environment, Sometimes breathing, although not always, not deep breathing is not always accessible in these times, but anything that we can do to soothe our nervous system and come out of that uh, sympathetic overdrive that we're all in uh, would be massively helpful. And I don't know that there's much to do beyond that right now, other mm -hmm. than every time that we tune into the fact that we're really activated to try to come back to a, a calmer state to find some safety within our bodies. Um, and there are a million different somatic practices that can help us with that. Um, and so that's kind of where I'm starting with people right now. And I think that's such a great place to start. I've always been so fascinated about how animal people are very, very aware of all the somatic cues of others other animals, other people, other, 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 and not necessarily always so in tune with their own somatic cues. Um, so coming back into your body and recognizing what is going on and, and how can I shift it is yeah, and I so think it's powerful. 
for a lot of us because of the trauma that we've been exposed to. So mm -hmm. for some of us, potentially all of our, and this is not just animal care workers, but for a lot of us, our body hasn't been a safe place. Uh, and so that is a place we've really disconnected from. And so there are other ways that we can regulate ourselves without putting a lot of awareness on our body if that doesn't feel safe for us right now. And I think one of the nicest things that we all have access to, even in social isolation, are our animals. And so even just um, really cuddling with them and touching them uh, can help us almost co-regulate uh, and we can uh, get a little bit of an oxytocin boost by petting them and that counteracts some of the stress response. So it does, if it's not comfortable and it doesn't feel safe to place your attention on your body because of the trauma that you've experienced, that's okay. And, you know, there are other ways to do it um, with mm -hmm. your environment or with a, a friend or a pet that can help you get regulated that way. So um, I don't want anybody to feel pressure to kind of go into their body if that's not safe for them right now. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. But any sort of way of coming back and recentering and grounding is so powerful and sounds really simplistic and a little bit like, really, is that helpful? <laughs> Have you experienced that when you talk to people about it? I experienced it in my own head. That's my reaction. Uh, every, <laughs> uh, uh, every time I teach it, I think, oh, I'm going to get rotten tomatoes thrown at me. For, this is such a stupid thing to be sharing, but it does work. Uh, and what I do know is that when we are stressed out, we forget everything we know about self-care and stress management, myself yeah. included. And so often we do know that these things work, but when we get really overwhelmed, we forget about them. And then we think it can't possibly be helpful. I'm in such a state. How could this little thing happen? And so um, I think it's really important that we keep repeating to people that these things do help. And the way I try to frame it for my students and clients is we're animals too. So, mm -hmm. you know, we're just working with our animal body. Uh, we're not mm -hmm. a brain or a head in a jar. We are uh, an actual animal. We need to soothe ourselves the way we're soothing uh, animals who are stressed. So trying to kind of remember that we too are animals uh, and we've got to work with our bodies. You know, that's kind of uh, how I usually remind people about it, uh, that it does work. So, yeah. <laughs> It is very powerful, but it's so funny how it just doesn't feel like it, we're, we're all waiting for that magic wand, the thing that's so obviously the clear, easy solution. And people say like, oh, well, reframing your thoughts, getting back in your butt. Yeah. <laughs> Don't feel quite the same. Yeah. Um, yeah there's no green smoothie that's going to make you feel better in all of this. So like there's no magic uh, you know, recipe that we can uh, offer, but it is these simple things. I think what's important to remind people is that we often have to do these things multiple times a day. So doing it once you're, and it doesn't work, right? fair enough. Uh, so doing small things many times a day, it really does have a cumulative effect. Uh, and so if you're not seeing results after 10 seconds <laughs> of this, fair enough. Uh, I would encourage you to try it over and over throughout the day and see if by the end of the day, if you are starting to feel more calm and stable. Yeah. And so to tie that back to courage, I think that it takes some courage and some belief in that I'm going to do the work required to help myself, you know, that I am going to set myself up for success in this time of uncertainty. And I'm going to do the things that I need to do to to handle this as best as possible because this is a an uncertain time. Yeah. 
Yeah, we, we're not big fans of uncertainty. Our nervous systems aren't really, <laughs> this is not a state that we want to be in for the most part. So uh, we're all struggling, I think, to a certain degree. And yeah, it's going to take some courage. I think it just, honestly, it takes courage to be a human, even mm-hmm. on the best days. And then uh, th- for this, it's, uh, it's taking an enormous amount of courage for a lot of people to just show up uh, and do even the most basic things right now. So um, whatever we can do in whatever way we can care for ourselves and others is enough. Uh, there is no um, perfect way to do this. But yeah, anything that we can do is really important. So what is something that you're doing to care for yourself at this time? Um, I'm spending a lot of time with my foam roller. Uh, I am. I have, a, <laughs> <laughs> I have a massive knot in my shoulder and neck. So when we're really stressed, you know, our, our muscles are really tense. When we're in sympathetic overdrive, our, we tend to get really frozen in our neck and our shoulders. Plus, we're all doing these video calls like all day long. So uh, I'm in, <laughs> I, I have been busting out my foam roller uh, and rolling out my back and my neck multiple times a day. And I can tell you that I've had this foam roller forever and I maybe use it once a month and I'm now using it multiple times a day to try to soften my muscles so that I send a message to my brain that I don't need to be so activated, but also just because it's painful. Uh, Mm -hmm. So that's just like a simple thing that I'm doing, which both calms my nervous system and is attending to a painful part of my body right now, rather than just kind of sucking it up and uh, maybe taking an Advil at the end of the night. I'm trying to uh, really tend to it all throughout the day. So it doesn't become worse and worse and then become a a big problem. Um, Mm -hmm. Also, I cannot get a massage right now because everything has closed. So I'm going to have to figure this out on my own. So Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of foam rollers, a lot of yoga. If uh, in the morning I've been limiting my news to about 10 minutes and then I, I almost immediately go to the mat and do some yoga. So trying to, I know I'm going into fight or flight watching the news. I'm almost immediately hitting the mat Thank God for yoga with Adrian. She is a, always a blessing, but in particular right now, I think she's supporting the universe. So I put on a yoga with Adrian free video, do 20 minutes of yoga. Uh, I now- just heard about her yesterday. I had not heard of yoga with Adrian until yesterday. So for you to say it again today, that tells me I need to check out yoga with Adrian. I've been doing her videos for her free videos for maybe five years now. And they're, uh, they're amazing. She's so helpful. Uh, there's just an endless amount of practices, short and long, that you can do. And so, yeah, that's my way of uh, knowing that I just went into fight or flight. How can I pump the brakes and get right out of it, you know, rather than just stay there, get on my computer and right. stay activated. So for me, that's how I've been kind of getting back into my body and trying to shift to that parasympathetic um, state. But really limiting exposure to the news right now is uh, important as is limiting my exposure to people who are making me really anxious. Uh, so there's mm-hmm. certain conversations, certain people that is, when I have a conversation with them, I walk away really anxious. Uh, and so just being mm-hmm. mindful of who I spend my time with and afterwards doing what I need to do to kind of release the anxiety that maybe is not mine that I'm now carrying. Yeah. So <laughs> really mindful of that. <laughs> And that's, it's very interesting how easily we do pick up someone else's um, and, and carry it with us. And then uh, I was speaking to someone recently and she said she wasn't worried at all. She was just really worried about um, how someone else was handling it. And she kept telling me how worried she was about how someone else was handling it, but she wasn't worried. But she was really very worried about someone else. And then I was like, mm-hmm. okay, I think, you're worried. I, I think there's some worry here. 
Yeah. I think there's a little, a little worry and, and that's normal. It's appropriate. I mean, you care about people, of course you're worried. Uh, but to leave ourselves in that spot is uh, awful for our brains and for our bodies and for our health. And so to find ways to come down and out even a little mm-hmm. helps. And the, the more we can do, the better that is. So those are helpful things. <laughs> So if someone told you that they were not feeling courageous, what would you suggest to them? Hmm. Well, I don't know that a lot of us feel courageous in the moment. I, I don't, I don't know that I really like wake up and ever think like today I'm, I'm going to, I'm courageous doing what I'm doing. But um, I think the thing I wind up talking to folks about a lot in my work is that when you are going to do something differently than how the norms of your culture at work or our society functions. So if you're going to step out of what is acceptable, which is typically what we have to do if we want to take care of ourselves, Mm -hmm. if we want to set boundaries, if we want to care for ourselves as much as we care for the animals, we're probably going to step out of the in crowd, and we're going to voluntarily put ourselves on the outside of um, the gang. And Mm -hmm. that is uh, scary. It's really scary to do anything that removes you from the herd. You know, we are social animals, we're safer when we're with others. Uh, And so, but in order to be healthy in this world, and particularly in this line of work, you're going to have to be okay with being different. Uh, and so that requires one that you get comfortable being uncomfortable. And so being able to tolerate discomfort is probably the single most important thing that anybody can learn to do for themselves. And certainly right now it is the skill that we're all kind of calling on <laughs> being okay with not knowing and being uncomfortable. Uh, and so if you're not feeling courageous and you're not quite comfortable with being uncomfortable yet. I mean, I do think this is when having somebody in your corner that you can be back to back with that is going to validate your choice to be different Mm -hmm. uh, is really important. Um, And it only has to be one person and they can be anywhere in the world, you know, that you can Skype with, but we do, I think, need somebody. Social support is really what makes us more resilient. Uh, And I think that's what allows us to be courageous and take risks and do things um, differently. Um, so yeah, having someone who has your back or you know the groups that you run or that I run, being in community with other people that are doing things differently, yeah, buoy your heart uh, and allow you to keep being courageous. So I think that's part of it. Um, and then the other part is like self-validation, which we all need to learn, which it's lovely to have that social support and some external validation, but also to really believe in yourself and to validate that your choice is the right choice, even if no one else agrees with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's not easy to do either. So probably the first place is just to start with a friend who's on your side. Yeah. <laughs> cheer you on when you can't cheer yourself on quite yet. Yeah, I think that's really powerful. And I'd like to just sort of reiterate a few of the things that you said, um, because they are so profound. Um, the first piece being that we don't typically feel courageous in the moment. You know, that it's not like, yay, I'm going to do this. It's more that um, the commitment that I I need to do this. Mm -hmm. I must do this. Um, And the having someone who's in your corner, one of the 
silliest and most helpful reframes for people is, well, what would you tell a friend who is experiencing the same thing? And we are so compassionate in the things that we would say to that friend. Like, awesome. So if you can't say that to yourself, then get a friend and tell them this story. And they're going to say exactly what you just predicted back to you. Um, because we do need that social support. We need it from ourselves and we need to share it with others. But we're, we tend to be much more gracious with the people external that we care about than sometimes how we treat ourselves, particularly at least, I mean, I'm sure it's true in other careers too, but pet pros are such givers, you know, they're there to serve, they're there to help. And so for them to say, I need to step back or I need to set a boundary feels selfish or mean or wrong, or I can't, and I have to do this. And well, what would you tell your friend? Yeah, Absolutely. So when you're, when you're helping people in your groups, um, what do you think is a shift that can help them move forward in their thinking to, to be a little bit more self-compassionate? Not to bring it back to the body again, but often we can't get to those shifts in our mind uh, so easily uh, because of whether it's the stress that we're under or the social conditioning that we're so steeped in it's challenging to just change our thoughts. Uh, And so I often find that it can be helpful to go through the body first. So uh, it can be really um, helpful to do some work around self-compassion where you access it through the body. Uh, Again, and that's a lot of that kind of regulation. And uh, for me, that's like hands over the heart uh, where we're pressing on your vagus nerve and activating Mm -hmm. that parasympathetic nervous system and giving yourself an oxytocin boost. And so sometimes uh, the shift tends to happen through doing some of these body-based practices where they feel, uh, they start to feel differently and that allows them to think a little bit differently. But I think the biggest shift that happens in group is to be around all of these other people where they find out that these secret thoughts that they've been having are what everybody has been thinking. <laughs> you know, we're like so boringly, uh, you know, <laughs> we're just like everybody else. We're so not unique in any way uh, in the way that we beat ourselves up in the the ways that we see the work and the struggles that we have, it's almost, it's like laughable how how similar it is, no matter how many times or how many people I do this work with, it's all the same. Mm-hmm. So, um, there is, while I love doing one-on-one work, uh, there is something so powerful about being in groups it, that yeah. um, even when I'm doing one-on-one work, I want to get all of my clients together and be like, this is the same, I'm having the Me same too. <laughs> all day with all of you. So uh, it, I, I, I just think that that is maybe the most powerful shift is just to see that you're not alone. Uh, and that those two things kind of softening, I think, their bodies a little bit, uh, getting that support, and also finding the language to talk about what they're experiencing. Those things um, all, I think, start to create that shift for them to see themselves and the work that they're doing differently and gives them some permission to try some things that they maybe have wanted to do for a long time uh, and to feel like it's that's what gives them the courage to do it yeah which is amazing isn't it it's so powerful I did a group session earlier today on imposter syndrome and it was just so funny when I would just like lay things out and people would be like oh yeah oh that's me oh that's me and they could see that it wasn't just them it was so many people were having these thoughts and and these are the thoughts that we're kind of afraid to say you know like oh Maybe I shouldn't say. And 
the having community and having support and, and having an understanding that we all struggle at times um, is it's so powerful. It's very healing. <laughs> yes, agreed. And so to bring that a little bit back to coronavirus, we are all in this together and we are all struggling together and we are all with good hearts doing what we hope is right to to make good decisions. And some, some people's decisions are different than others, which has created friction uh, among communities. Um, but when we think that everyone is at least attempting to do the best they can under difficult circumstances, that typically helps us to feel a little bit stronger and better. Um, what do you, what would your wish for us be with regard to courage during this difficult time? I would wish for all of you just not to judge yourself during this time that it, I, people really are doing the best that they can with what they've got, you included. Uh, and so, you know, you, you the, the big you, all of you uh, are doing the uh, best that you can. I'm doing the best that I can with what I've got. And people are going to be doing different things and that's the best they can do. Uh, and so just to be gentle, to not take anything personally during this time, to try to just let things roll off your back a little bit because, um, yeah, every day there's going to be challenges with this. So my wish is just for you to be gentle and not judge yourself. Um, and I think my biggest wish in a kind of broader sense is um, I would love for all of us to have the courage to see this as potentially an amazing growth opportunity that we're never going back to the way things were before this. This mm -hmm. is going to change the way we are. Uh, and so the goal isn't to how do I you know, just get back to the way things were. It's really um, how can I be adaptive uh, and innovative and imaginative going forward? Uh, we can dream up a whole new way of being through this. And so there's some really exciting possibilities in this. Uh, and so we may not all be in that position where we can um, broaden our thinking and dream during this time. But uh, if I had a magic wand and my wish was granted, everybody would feel uh, some in excitement or anticipation about what kind of world do we want and can, and will this be a catalyst that helps us create it? So I would just say to anybody that has been wanting to change their life for a long time, um, but has felt so stuck in their workload or the way their business has always been, um, if you are forced to shut down right now or things are drastically changing, not to dismiss your stress in any way, but can you also look at this as potentially uh, an opportunity to really change things, uh, yeah. to look at this as an opportunity to just completely restructure how you do the work going forward. So that would just be my wish for everybody to see that as a possibility, uh, that this is a chance to do what you felt like you couldn't do because you were in that hustle. And it was so, uh, that engine was just like powering everything. Well, now it might be slowing down and you have a chance to um, make some changes. So Again, no judgment if that's not something that isn't possible right now. But if I had a magic wand, that's what I would wish for everybody to be able to transform some of the uh, things were stressful in the past into some new opportunities after this. For them. Absolutely. I agree completely. And 
And I think that was such a beautiful wish. I think that's a great place for us to wrap up. But I want to tell people who are listening on podcast only that you have to check out the video because her eyes just totally lit up the whole time she was telling all about that. So Jessica, if people wanted to learn more about you and your work, how could they do that? So you can find me on my website, jessicadolce.com. And then you can find me on Facebook. Uh, I have a free Facebook group, the Compassionate Badassery Collective. Uh, and so that's a, a really nice group of mainly animal helpers, but also some other helping professions. And uh, we just support each other. So you're welcome to find me there as well. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me on Unleashed today. I really appreciate that you were taking time to come on with us. Thank you. It was really nice to spend time with you and to talk with you. Thanks for everything that you do. Thanks for listening to Unleashed at Work and Home. I invite you to come learn more at colleenpilar.com slash community, where you can be steady, be strong, and be long.